0: Yo, this is Sam's Sports Podcast. It is Wednesday, May 24th, 2017. I am Sam Rosenberg. I am here to talk about the NBA playoff picture and what's been going on. Now, it's been a couple of days since I tuned in. I had a little bit of a issue. I broke my finger this past week. Not too bad, but, you know, uh, certainly nothing compared to the injuries that these NBA players have to deal with on a daily basis and have to play through. Um, but it did, uh, it did hamper me a little bit, delayed me a little bit from getting back on the mic. I don't think I've been on the mic since, um, before the, uh, uh, conference finals were even set. I think we knew the Spurs and the Warriors were set, but, uh, I think the last podcast I was predicting a game seven victor for the Boston Celtics. Turns out I was right. Okay. So now let's just jump right into the conference finals. As of now, Let's already jump back into Warrior Spurs. Golden State Warriors swept the Spurs in four games, um, you know, hail to the uh, San Antonio Spurs. They put up a heck of a fight. They tried as hard as they could, but let's break down what happened, okay? Kawhi Leonard got hurt. He rolled his ankle at the end of that second round series against the Houston Rockets. He ended up sitting out a game. He sat out the clinching game six. That was when LaMarcus Aldridge kind of did all the work himself, even without Tony Parker on the court. Um, And, uh, you know, listen, the Rockets, they had their own issues on defense. That's not even a discussion I want to start up now. But the Spurs, okay, game one, conference finals against the Golden State Warriors in Oakland, okay, the Spurs went up by 25 points, and they were absolutely dominating. This game was on Mother's Day Sunday. It was a nationally televised game, and the Spurs pretty much took the entire game by storm. They pushed around the Golden State Warriors. They were playing tenacious defense on them. Uh, all of the Warriors couldn't get any good shots. Um, the only people that really kind... Well, listen, Kevin Durant and Steph Curry stepped up in the second half, but Klay Thompson couldn't get any room. Draymond couldn't get any room. N- nobody who could do any off... do. I mean, listen, Curry and, uh, and Durant were struggling until the second half as well. The Spurs had complete control of this game until... Kawhi Leonard rolls his ankle for a second time, and let's also be clear, doesn't just roll his ankle for a second time, rolls it for a third time, because he goes up for a shot, and this is the the rolled ankle that no one's going to talk about, okay? He goes up for a shot, hits the shot, and as he's stepping backwards, he actually tweaks his ankle just slightly while stepping on his teammate's foot, like his teammate who was on the bench, he just stepped backward a little too much and sort of tweaked his ankle by stepping on his teammate's foot. And he looked a little gimpy, but he walked it off and he kept playing. Then, about two plays later, that's when he goes up for a three-pointer and comes down right on Zaza Pachulia's foot, rolls his ankle terribly, limps off the court, and we do not see Kawhi Leonard for the rest of the Western Conference Finals, essentially sealing the fate for the Spurs in that series. Um... As soon as Leonard leaves the court, the Warriors completely turn the game around. They 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 go on an absolute tear. Kevin Durant scores like crazy. Steph Curry starts hitting three-pointers. Um, and the Spurs' defense completely falls apart without Leonard on the floor because he is the best two-way player they have, if not one of the best two-way players in the game. The Warriors win by two points. They come all the way back. They take this victory. And then games two, three, and four All of these games did not have Kawhi Leonard. You saw LaMarcus Aldridge doing his best to try to be the man. He couldn't do it. Um, Even with Leonard on the floor, it was still a long shot that the Spurs were going to be able to beat this Warriors team. Now when you take him off the floor, I mean, I watched multiple games with my wife, and we both tuned out at halftime because the game was already over. It was a blowout at that point, and they tried to... I mean, the Spurs did every single thing they could to squeeze blood out of a stone, all right? At this point, you're not just losing Kawhi Leonard. Tony Parker's gone. Uh, You know, Patty Mills was doing the best he could to penetrate and kick, but he just doesn't have that same game like Tony Parker. He's not a penetrate and kick guy. You know, he's got a little penetration, but he's got more of a jump shot himself. You started to see more meaningful minutes getting played by David Lee, which, listen, David Lee was playing great minutes until he got a knee injury in Game 4 of the playoffs, or excuse me, Game 3 of the playoffs, so, uh, of this Western Conference Finals. So this Spurs team was just completely dismantled by injuries, and I know there was a lot of drama with Greg Popovich essentially calling Zaza Pachulia a dirty player after Game 1 when essentially Kawhi Leonard came down on this guy's foot and, you know... I'm not a basketball player. I'm not out there. I don't know how quickly these things happen, but I would imagine some of it's premeditated, some of it's not. But in the split second of the game, with how quickly things are moving, it's just hard to think that when you're closing out on a jump shooter like Pachulia was doing, that it's always intentional that you really want to get underneath the guy so he comes down and and you know that guy rolls his ankle on your foot. I mean, I can't imagine that it is completely intentional every single time that this happens. So I think Pachulia got a little bit of a bad rap. Uh, I mean, in his own way, you know, he had to deal with injury issues. Pachulia missed games three and four of the conference finals for a heel issue of some kind, but thankfully... JaVale McGee played amazing minutes. JaVale McGee has been an absolute find for the Golden State Warriors this year, specifically from an offensive standpoint. I don't think they ever saw him being this, you know, rim-rattling alley-oop machine that he's become for the Warriors team. And, you know, he's really found himself to be a great post presence for them. Uh, They started him in Game 3. In Game 4, they went to uh, Patrick McCaw. The rookie Patrick McCaw has really been a nice find for the Warriors as well. That's another guy who's been playing fantastic spot minutes, plays good defense, hits a couple of threes. Um, But the real story of this series, aside from Leonard going down, um, well, the, the two stories are Kevin Durant and Steph Curry looking amazing. All of the victories really were tied up in the fact that Kevin Durant and Steph Curry played fantastic basketball. I mean, these guys were unstoppable. And you're noticing that Kevin Durant can fit right into this Warriors style of play the, you know, the switching defense, the ball movement to all the players, uh, you know, but. He's also able to still do his old school Kevin Durant iso. He can still do his hero ball and hit a couple of huge shots that get them back in the game. There have been multiple games in this playoff run where Kevin Durant hits two or three jumpers in a row and all of a sudden the Warriors are right back in the game. I mean, and it's it's crazy to think that the Warriors have just like cakewalked their way through the playoffs. They haven't lost a single game. They're now the first team, I think, in history to start a playoffs 12-0, um, uh, they they pretty much were able to put all of this together. Even like Kevin, d- does anybody remember the fact that Kevin Durant missed a couple of games in the first round of the playoffs against the Portland Trailblazers, and it kind of didn't even matter. I mean, we're also not even thinking about the fact that Steve Kerr has not been behind the bench for the Golden State Warriors since the first round of the playoffs. Mike Brown has been there through Utah, he's been there through San Antonio, and I got news for you. There's a pretty strong chance Mike Brown is going to be the guy behind the bench in the NBA Finals as well. I'm really curious how much that is going to affect their ability to perform on the court because listen there's some in-game adjustments that I don't have the same confidence in Mike Brown making like I do Steve Kerr but apparently Kerr is now in the locker room he's now traveling with the team I mean his back issues I can only imagine the pain he's going through if it's hampering him this much um I did say there was another storyline with this series. The other storyline is, is the greats of the San Antonio Spurs, the Tony Parker, the Man of Ginobili. Tony Parker clearly went down with a catastrophic injury. It, it looked like when I saw him go down and, 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 and glimpsed him grab his knee, that was where I started to have memories of Baron Davis when he ruptured his knee tendon. There was a playoff series or maybe even a game. Baron Davis is on the New York Knicks, He goes down the court, he goes up for a layup, and he comes down, and I just saw his knee buckle underneath it. And he collapsed in a heap on the floor, and he never played another minute of NBA basketball ever again. I know he said he wanted to come back, he wanted to recoup. Maybe he can come back right now, but the guy is way too up there in age. We're past that. That's the kind of feeling I saw. I I felt when Tony Parker went down with that injury. This is an injury it's not going to take an offseason to recover from. Tony Parker is up there in age I mean he's going to miss a considerable portion of next season if not if not this if not have this injury be career ending. So that's a storyline and then Ginobili. Ginobili, you know, it's become clearer and clearer there's a very real chance Ginobili's not coming back next year. That this might be his last hurrah and that he's going to retire. So in game 4 of the conference finals, Greg Popovich starts Ginobili. You know, this the the ultimate sixth man of the year comes out on the starting lineup and When Parker was down, and when Kawhi Leonard essentially was down, Ginobili started to be the most exciting part of this Spurs team. He started to be the guy they were really leaning on. There was a couple of games in this conference final series where Ginobili was the leading scorer on the team, because we need to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge, okay? I don't know if this is working out. Last year, there was some excitement. He played great basketball, but he did not perform well this season. He underperformed, and I think I said this on other podcasts before, I think some of it got masked and hidden by how well Kawhi Leonard was playing. Kawhi Leonard was so good, it was a little hard to see the flaws in LaMarcus Aldridge's game, but that really came front and center as soon as Leonard left the court, because there were a few games where Aldridge, in this conference final series, was really relied upon to be the man for this Spurs team, and he couldn't do it. He just couldn't do it, and the thing that was really discouraging is that I know Aldridge has never particularly been the greatest post player. That hasn't been his game. He's not a post guy. I get it. But he's a turnaround guy. He is a pick-and-pop player. This is a guy, you get him the ball in his spot, he's going to hit a jump shot. He was missing those jump shots in this series. And, you know, now I'm starting to sit here and think he's got another year with this Spurs team next year, and then he's got a player option for the year afterwards. He might be on this Spurs team only one more year, and then they might try to move him. I mean, they might try to trade him next year. And especially... You've got a lot of uncertainty and a lot of question marks going into this offseason with the Spurs. Patty Mills is a free agent. You know, Ginobili and Parker, listen, even if they are under contract, are either of them going to come back next year? And, you know, I was listening to another show today that talked about how you can do everything you want to Popovich and his culture and his coaching, but sooner or later, you still need talent on this team. And Kawhi Leonard is that talent. I think LaMarcus Aldridge was expected to be that talent, but you know, you take Parker away, you take Ginobili away, all of a sudden, you're looking at the young guys. You know, Danny Green is a a rotational player. He's not a superstar. You need to start looking at guys like Kyle Anderson, guys like DeJounte Murray. Like, are these guys really ready for prime time to lead a Spurs team to another 60-win season? I don't know. I don't know. So, Let's hope they uh, they get another, uh, let's hope they look to the draft and are able to produce a nice draft pick this year. Um, but listen, it was a great run for the Spurs. It doesn't surprise me one bit that the Warriors were able to dismantle them. I had a feeling the Warriors, I thought it was going to be a six-game series. Turns out I was wrong. I mean, I think everybody would have changed their tune after Kawhi Leonard went down. Um, but this Warriors team, man, they're just, they're just clicking on all cylinders. They got everything going for them. You know, even Iguodala was a little hurt. He's back. Uh, you know Zaza I'm not too worried about this now they're going to have nine days off before they start the NBA finals Zaza is going to be fine okay Sean Livingston David West you know even James Michael McAdoo these guys are all going to be prepped and ready to go for this NBA finals and they're hosting game one because they got home court it's 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 hard to think anybody's going to beat them now I've ranted and raved I've talked let's talk about this Eastern Conference final series so now as of Wednesday it is still, the Cavaliers are up three games to one. Now, let's break down what's happened in this series. So, after the Celtics win Game 7 in Washington, immediately they turn around and they host Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Finals against the Cavaliers in their own house, and they get embarrassed. The Cavaliers absolutely dominated them. LeBron James did whatever the fuck he wanted to do. He he dominated on the court. Kyrie Irving was hitting shots. Kevin Love was hitting shots. I mean, every single thing that could have gone right for the Cavaliers went right for them in that game. It felt like Game 1 of that Houston Spurs series where the Rockets came out and just blew the Spurs out by 30 points at halftime. That's what it felt like for Game 1 of the Eastern Conference Final Series. And at that point, it felt like there wasn't a snowball's chance in hell for the Celtics to do anything. Al Horford really didn't have any answers Isaiah Thomas, for all of his scoring, he, kind, he couldn't score. There was just, there was too much. De- I, I keep complaining about the Cavaliers' defense. They were able to shut down Isaiah Thomas. And likewise, the thing that's always been the discussion is, how can you take advantage of Isaiah Thomas on the defensive end? And the Cavaliers did it. They got the nice rotations, they got him matched up on a guy they wanted him matched up on, and they started hitting shots. Tristan Thompson elevated his game. I mean, like I said, everything you wanted from this Cavs team worked in game one. Game two, just take that and multiply it by two. Game two was when the Cavs went up by 40 points at the half. I mean, this game was an absolute embarrassment. The the Celtics you know, worst playoff loss in franchise history. They were setting records for, you know, biggest halftime deficit in playoff history for the Celtics. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong for the Celtics and it was pretty embarrassing. Um the uh Cavaliers closed that game out pretty convincingly. They go back to Cleveland for games 3 and 4 and we make, we hear the announcement, da pa, Isaiah Thomas is officially out for the playoffs. The best player on the Boston Celtics is now done for the rest of the playoffs. It, it, does this sound similar? Does this sound like the Spurs losing Kawhi Leonard? Because that's what it sounds like to me. This was the funny thing, though. You go into game three, and the Cavaliers, it's business as usual. Kyrie, Kevin Kevin Love is hitting threes. LeBron's doing what he does. Every, uh, well, actually, this was, the, this was the early warning sign. LeBron had a very shitty game three. I think he finished with 11 points on the night. Lots of missed shots, didn't look good, but it didn't stop the Cavaliers from jumping out to an early lead in this game three. This game three, man, Cavaliers, I think they had a 16-point lead at the half. They were leading by 20 at one point, and then they really just kind of came apart at the seams. Uh LeBron played terribly. Um... He was turning the ball over a lot. He was missing shots a lot. And then you got into a situation where Kyrie had to play hero ball and he was missing shots. Kevin Love needed to hit clutch jumpers in the fourth quarter. Eh, That's not really Kevin Love's forte. So you watched the Cavaliers completely come apart and they lose game three in their own house. It's inexcusable at this point. I don't really know, you know, and it's hard to kind of sit there and decipher what exactly was the key reason for this kind of self-destruction by the Cavaliers in Game 3, um... My personal opinion, I think it was the subtraction of Isaiah Thomas. When you removed Isaiah Thomas from that team and you put the rest of the players into a full-time defensive rotation, you saw the defense ramp up for the Celtics. You saw them play much more team-related ball as opposed to, and I'm not saying they do this all the time, but there are times when they're drawing up plays for Isaiah Thomas to go to the hoop or for Isaiah Thomas to get a jump shot. When you take that out of the equation, you really rely on the rest of the team to play truly unified team ball, and that's what they had to do. And I think their defense improved now. Here's the other, the other X factor in Game 3, Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart had to play starting minutes in place of Isaiah Thomas. He played the entire game he was fantastic. He had 27 points or 20 27 points on the night, which is way more than he ever scores, and that was something. You take Isaiah Thomas off this team, somebody's got to has to shoulder the scoring burden. Marcus Smart did that in game 3. He was playing fantastic. He played most of the game. I believe he started, he, a great defense and then a couple of huge plays at the end of the game. That's something you've really really got to you got to focus on and understand. This was a difference maker in this game. Now, the problem is it's hard to replicate that. It's going to be really hard to replicate a fantastic game from Marcus Smart all over again. When you see players like that do this in the playoffs, like like Kelly Olynyk scoring 20 points in the clinching Game 7 against the Washington Wizards, When guys don't do that all the time, there's a reason for that. It's hard for them to replicate it every single night. That's why a superstar is a superstar. That's why it's a big deal that Kyrie Irving can score 25 points every single night, and you sort of scratch your head and wonder why he doesn't when he doesn't. Just like LeBron scoring 11 points in Game 3, it's like, what happened, dude? You know, were you taking bad shots, poor shot selection? Did you just sleep wrong and, and just have a bad day and got up on the wrong side of the bed? I don't know but there's a reason why they're not able to step up and score those uh, points consistently. So when you see a guy like Marcus Smart step up, hit contested three-pointers, you know, go to the hoop against guys who normally can lock him down, that's where you need to say, can this happen again in game four? Can this really happen again in game four? And in game four, okay, so the the Cavaliers won game four. We just watched it last night, but I mean, that was a bit of an eye-opener. The first half, It was game three all over again. Cavaliers didn't have an answer. LeBron James looked like shit. Um, He got benched early in the second quarter because he had 10 points and four fouls uh, at about the seven-minute mark in the second quarter. So all of a sudden, LeBron James comes off the floor. The Celtics have been dominating on offense and defense. They They haven't taken a considerably crazy lead. The largest their lead got to was 16 points with LeBron James on the bench. At that point... It was looking a little scary. And my wife asked me, she said, Sam, do you think the Cavaliers can come back and win in the second half? And I said, I think they can. But I'm getting a little worried. I'm getting a little worried because maybe they're probably going to get through this Celtics team because the Celtics are essentially a lame duck opponent at this point without Isaiah Thomas. You know, no disrespect to Al Horford. I think he's playing out of his mind. But now you give the Golden State Warriors an opportunity to see what weak spots the Cavaliers have. I know they've already had plenty of tape to look at them, but this is a real-time opportunity for the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals to really find the weaknesses in the Cavaliers' armor and try to dig. And in Game 3, they dug at that pretty hard, and they actually pulled out a win. Game 4, listen, second half came around. Kyrie Irving, he went fucking bananas, okay? He was just scoring. It was unconscious, the amount of scoring he had. Kyrie Irving single-handedly brought the Cavaliers back into this game, not LeBron James. And I will tell you till the end of time that right now, I still think LeBron James is the MVP of this league. Not Russell Westbrook, not James Harden, not Kawhi Leonard, but LeBron James, okay? It's not an accident that this guy is able to bring his team to the finals every single fucking year he's in the goddamn league, okay? But he was not the reason they won this game. Kyrie Irving, who finished with 42 points on the night... He was the reason they won this game. He was hitting contested three-pointers, and he rolled his ankle, and he rolled it bad. He went up for a shot and came down on Terry Rozier's foot, and he rolled his ankle bad. I have no idea how on earth he stayed in the game. He came back out into the game and and essentially hit a running layup and got the N1 foul after his ankle was rolled, and then a next possession, he hits a a three-pointer. I was sitting there going, how is he even able to move at this point? He, he gets the game within striking distance. He's able to bring the Cavaliers back to about, I think, six points or, or five points. Then second half starts. We get a little into the third quarter. LeBron James comes back in the game. LeBron James takes over. Uh, well, he doesn't completely take over, but I mean, he started to play very aggressively, especially for a guy who had four fouls. He's going right to the hoop. Uh, they they guarded him a few times with Jalen Brown, and you know, kudos to Jalen Brown. He did the best he could, but there was a few moments where LeBron James just made him look like a young rookie fool. And LeBron, even with his four fouls, he ends up finishing with 35 points. There's a couple of times where LeBron is just looking around and then takes a contested jumper, splash there's a couple of times lebron's thinking about passing the ball, takes a three-pointer, splash. His his scoring touch was back, saw the ball go back into the hoop and just all of a sudden he was back in he was back in action again and uh they they didn't really have anything to do and and Kyrie Irving didn't slow down at that point either. <laughs> the thing I got to mention though is this this lebron no dunk that happened. You know, for all of the greatness that we say about lebron. I mean, yeah, I do think he's the greatest. I think he's probably edging ahead of Michael Jordan at this point. I got to throw it out there. I'm saying that. I watched Jordan. I was around during Jordan's heyday. I did see some of it. I was young, but I went to a few games, and I'm going to come right out and say it. There was a game where it was the Sixers and the Bulls, and I was there with my dad, and Michael Jordan fell in my lap. He literally was diving for a ball, went into the stands, fell in my lap. He got sweat all over my pants. I did not wash those pants for three months. Um, But I've seen Jordan, LeBron James, Holy fucking shit, okay? This is some this is amazing basketball that he's playing right now. But okay, so last night, it's a one-point game at this point. The Cavaliers have dragged it all the way back to a one-point game. They're losing by one. Celtics take a shot. Kevin Love gets the rebound. And now Kevin Love has gotten into the habit of being the quarterback of the NBA. He'll get a rebound and then he'll throw a transition pass all the way down the court to a streaking offensive player, be it a LeBron James, be it a Tristan Thompson, be it a Kyrie Irving. He's been getting in the habit of doing this. LeBron's streaking down the court. Kevin Love launches the ball all the way down the court. LeBron gets it. It's a wide open dunk. He goes up for the Tomahawk slam. And he misses the dunk. He clanks it off the rim. It doesn't go in. They don't get the lead. And the ball and the Celtics get the rebound and go right back down the court. Whoo, don't fake funk on a nasty dunk, man. I'm telling you that right now. It was a real like for all of the brilliance of LeBron James, it was a very humanizing moment. Cause it also felt like, you know, it felt like that was the moment when they were gonna come apart. Because then the Celtics went down to the other end of the court, and they get a three-point play. And all of a sudden, the Celtics go up by four, as opposed to the Cavaliers going up by one. Now, in the grand scheme of things, this is all moot, okay? The Cavaliers stormed back, they took the lead, then they took a considerable lead, and then they essentially just stepped on the throats of the Celtics and won the game by 13 points. LeBron had 30-some-odd points, Kyrie had 40-some-odd points, that's a done deal. Now they got to go back to Boston for Game 5. So we're going to have Game 5 in Boston tomorrow night on TNT, uh, 8.30 Eastern, 7.30 Central. Um, I'm curious to see how Kyrie is going to play. Because I, I'm not crazy. I know these guys come out and play, but I saw that rolled ankle. It didn't look good. And maybe it wasn't as bad as it looked on TV, but either way, you know his ankle is going to be sore playing that game. Now, are they going to rest Kyrie? so he can get rested for the NBA Finals, or are they going to send him out there and play hard? I mean, knowing they'll probably send him out there and play hard, because at this point, I don't think the Cavaliers are messing around anymore. They They don't want to have another embarrassing game where they start to get exposed for their defensive issues, because that's when you started to see the Cavaliers dig into their bench and start to be like, all right, well... Maybe we need to put Channing Fry out there, but Channing Fry is not any better at defense either. I don't know if you know, Kyle Korver's a decent defender, but I mean, guys like Iman Shumpert breathed life into the Cavaliers. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, Darren Williams. Darren Williams breathed some nice life into the Cavaliers. They play some solid minutes for this team. Now, interesting how Richard Jefferson, who was such a major cog of this Cavaliers team last year, you know, really hasn't been that much in the rotation this year. But I mean, whatever that, whatever works for you. So. NBA Finals, Warriors, Cavaliers. Um, It's going to start next Thursday, June 1st. So the Warriors are going to have a lot of time off to rest. Um, Cavaliers are probably... Listen, if they finish Game 5 on Thursday, that means they'll have a solid week to rest as well, which both teams are going to need. You know, these guys... You know, even Kevin Durant, I can only imagine that devastating injury he got earlier in the season against the Wizards. I'm sure he's playing through it. I'm sure it's not that fun. So having extra days off to rest and be recuperated for this NBA Finals, listen, this is going to be the NBA Finals of the decade, baby. Third straight year of the Cavaliers and the Warriors, and this is probably the best Cavaliers team and the best Warriors team to see these guys go head-to-head. Woo! I can't wait, baby. Oh! Um... I'm throwing it out there. I'm picking the Warriors. I'm picking the Warriors in six games. I was thinking maybe the Warriors in five games, but I think I think the Caval- LeBron James has enough to pull a game out of his ass by himself. And I think maybe Kyrie probably has enough to pull a game out of his ass, maybe not by himself. I think when Kyrie goes crazy, LeBron also tends to go crazy, and that's usually how they win it. Um, but I think it's enough to pull two games out against this Warriors team. But the defense. The defense is the biggest difference maker between these two teams the Cavaliers are dicey on defense and the Warriors are damn good on defense this switching defense that the Warriors play now that you've got Kevin Durant in the mix and even better you know uh, I mean do I call him a wing player do I call him a forward I mean he's essentially I mean they had Harrison Barnes in that position last year and no offense to Harrison Barnes but Kevin Durant is a bit of a step up and he brings a lot more offensively as well all of a sudden where You know, Klay Thompson had to be this massive offensive powerhouse the last couple of years. You think about last year when Klay Thompson single-handedly brought the Warriors back against that Oklahoma City Thunder team to win Game 6 against the Thunder. Klay Thompson has been shooting terribly this playoffs, but nobody's noticed because Kevin Durant has picked up all the slack. Durant and Curry, I mean, that's pretty much everything that's going on with this Warriors team from an offensive standpoint. You know, sure, you're seeing contributions from other players, but the heart and soul of the offense right now is Durant and Curry. And I don't, I mean, who is really going to guard both of them on the Cavaliers? Now, I know Kyrie Irving is going to be all over Curry, and I think Kyrie Irving is actually a pretty good matchup for Curry. I think he plays some pretty solid defense against Curry. But who are you really going to put on Durant? You know, are you going to put LeBron James on Durant? Are you going to put Kevin Love on on Durant, I mean, A, you can't put James on Durant the entire game. He's going to get exhausted playing both ends of the court, and you're going to need LeBron playing on the offensive end a little bit more on the defensive end. Um, and Kevin Love, not, enough, not a good enough defender to throw against Kevin Durant. It's just not. He's not going to be able to stop him. And then you need to start thinking, all right, who are the other guys in this rotation for the Cavaliers that we can truly throw at Kevin Durant? Channing Fry. I mean, Kyle Korver? J.R. Smith, Iman Shumpert, I, I mean, Shumpert and Smith, I mean, Corver. none of these guys are tall enough to handle Durant. I mean, he's just going to shoot over them. It's That's the thing that really scares me as you start to think, you look at the matchups and with the defensive woes that the Cavaliers have had this season, I don't think they have enough depth and you think about how both of these teams have been stocking up to get ready for this finals matchup. The Cavaliers, they still don't have that depth. You still really can't find it. I mean, are you going to... Th- I mean, maybe Richard Jefferson. Maybe Richard Jefferson is the guy you're going to need to throw up against Kevin Durant. But again, you're getting into this realm of all of these older players going up against a guy like Kevin Durant who's going to chew them up and spit them out for breakfast. I just... Um, I And then, I haven't even talked about Draymond Green. Who the hell are you going to throw at Draymond Green? I mean, Tristan Thompson's going to have his, hand, his hands full. I know... I think that's been the case in years past. You know, now's a time where you really sit there and go, wow, Cavaliers would really love to have Andrew Bogut right now. Cavaliers, you know what? Maybe they wouldn't mind having Timothy Mozgov right now. Just someone to throw at at Draymond Green. Somebody to just get out there and just, to just take fouls. Just to foul him. Make it hard for him, you know? And then... You can't sleep on Zaza either. Zaza has been playing fantastic basketball. I think the world has finally learned that Zaza Pachulia is a pretty darn good role player. I think they wanted to give him the short end of the stick when he showed up in Golden State, but it's just not the case, man. He's been playing great basketball. And then as soon as Draymond and Zaza go to the bench, you got to deal with David West. David West, man, tenacious player, hard player, gritty player, guy who can also Listen, he hasn't been scoring an awful lot, but he can score. And he can defend. And that's a guy that you're going to see get thrown at, you know, Kevin Love. You know, it's not comfortable for David West to come out to the perimeter and guard him, but he's going to have to get out there and do it. You know, and and the three-point shooting of the Cavaliers might be some of the dangers for the Warriors, but I mean, they're switching defense. They're used to this shit. And I think it's going to be more of a problem for the Cavaliers trying to defend the Warriors on the three-point line as opposed to the Warriors trying to defend the Cavaliers on the three-point line. So... Very interesting series. I'm really curious to see how it's going to shake out. I'm really curious to see the coaching moves. Like, this is a moment, that's where I'm really scared about not having Steve Kerr out there. Like, you got, having Mike Brown out there to coach the Warriors, I don't have the same confidence in his in-game adjustments like I do with Steve Kerr. It's just like I don't have much confidence in Ty Lue's in-game adjustments. Um, you know, it's it, I, I think neither of these teams have really faced a, an opponent who's really taken them the distance and challenged them. And, and and in some ways, these conference finals and most of these playoffs have kind of been a bit of a dud because we've all just been waiting for this clash of the Titans. We've been waiting for this Warriors-Cavs Part 3 NBA Finals matchup. I mean, that's the talk of the town. And listen, it's it's great because I can remember 2007 when LeBron went to the finals for the first time in his career and played the San Antonio Spurs. I didn't even watch any of those finals games because they were four straight blowouts where the Spurs just blew out the Cavaliers because, I mean, come on, LeBron James lined up along with, you know, Boobie Gibson and Sasha Pavlovich and Anderson Varejao going up against a Tim Duncan, a Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili in their prime, I mean, come on, man, I'd so... To think about a finals that was as much of a boring dud like that, or the 2002, no, two, 2002 finals where the Lakers uh, swept the New Jersey Nets, I mean, those are finals where I, like it was clear that one team was sizably better than the other team. That's not the case now. you got the Warriors and the Cavs. This is what everybody's been waiting for. This is what we're waiting for. It's must-see TV and it's still a week away. I mean, what the hell is the NBA going to do in the meantime? There's so much playoff revenue and TV revenue that they're not going to have because these conference finals have been such a lopsided matchup. Uh, well, they got to figure it out. Um, that's all I'm going to say. I wanted to talk uh, I wanted to talk the conference finals. I wanted to talk preparation for the NBA finals. I can talk about the draft another point in time. I mean, listen, the the Celtics won, not a big surprise. Lakers got the two pick. My Sixers swapped with the Kings and got the three pick. That's that's promising. That's promising. I still think the Sixers, you know, they they are still in they're still in the running for another blue chip. I still want to see what Ben Simmons is made of, and I still got to see if Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid work together before I before I think they should be out of the lottery pick you know game. Uh, but that's a totally different podcast. I wanted to focus in on the playoffs this time around. Uh, That's all I got. Everyone, thank you very much for listening. This is Sam Sports Podcast. I'm Sam Rosenberg. Subscribe to Sam Sports Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. It's a bit of an inside joke, but now I'm trying to make it public. Email me with any mailbag questions you might have at samsportsstation at gmail.com. S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. I want to hear from you. Uh, But in the meantime, enjoy the basketball. There's going to be one more game tomorrow night. And uh, I'll be back on the horn soon uh, to talk more b-ball, talk some NBA lottery stuff. And, of course, I'll be back to talk some NFL football as well. You know I got mad love for the Eagles and uh, my boy Shaka's New York Jets. Plenty of off-season moves to discuss. Lots of teams to go over. Lots of things to... we got. Listen, we got to do something for summer. Aside from going to the beach and baseball, there's not much sports going on. So we got to make the most out of this summer. So. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks for tuning in. I hope to hear you. uh, you. I hope to have everyone come back and take a listen soon. I will be continuing to do these until the end of time. There is plenty of sports. It's not stopping, and neither is Sam's Sports Podcast. But enjoy the NBA playoffs. And until we meet again, take her easy. Bye bye.